The Inflation Reduction Act has raised the federal solar investment tax credit from 26 to 30 percent. That's a fantastic opportunity for residents and businesses to invest in solar. The rebate includes solar power with battery backup. There may be additional solar incentives depending on the location of the property. Solar power with battery backup can keep your lights on and heat running when a summer or winter storm hits. Solar and electric vehicle are the perfect pair. Kick fossil fuels to the curb at home and on the road by using solar power to power your EV at home or provide them as a service to your business employees and customers. Now is a great time to secure your spot for next year's installation. Might want to act soon. According to some studies, one in four homeowners want to invest in solar within the next five years, but the grid is limited capacity. Grab your opportunity while you can before someone else does. Go to allenergysolar.com. Welcome back to the Cheryl Reeve Show. We've been lucky to have Cheryl on from Australia as she is coaching Team USA, uh, but she her schedule down there is absolutely crazy. So I'm taking this opportunity to bring in one of our star guest hosts. Today's guest host, David Barry. You know him on Twitter as Wages of Wins. He's a professor of economics at Southern Utah University, lead author of two books, Wages of Wins and Stumbling on Wins. Uh, he's written other stuff. Uh, he, he's you know, I know he consults with Cheryl. He's a great basketball analyst I'm going to be talking to uh, for one of my columns previewing the Timberwolves season. But today, let's talk about women's basketball and women's sports. First of all, thanks as always, David. And can you just tell me what you think, uh, you know, what your your uh, takeaway is on Team USA going to Australia, having another dominant tournament, and just what Team USA has accomplished in the big picture? Yeah, I, I don't think people are aware of this. I haven't seen anyone point this out, but their margin of victory right now uh, is they're beating their opponents by uh, 43 points per game, which I think people think hear that and they're like, well, the women of Team USA always win or they almost always win. So maybe that's not surprising. But uh, certainly since the beginning of WNBA players playing back in 1998, they've never dominated this by this margin, they in the in the game uh, that I, I imagine everyone uh, most people missed because it was the middle of the night. Uh, the game to get them into the gold medal game against Canada, they win by forty points. Uh, they're not. This is not. They're not playing high school players. These are these are typically professional players on other national teams. Uh, and Team USA is 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 beating them by the margin of victory is. Very similar to the same margin of victory for the men's 1992 Olympic team, which we call the dream team. Their margin of victory was also 43 points a game. Uh, Mm. So even to put this in perspective, if China in the gold medal game were somehow able to beat Team USA by 20 points, uh, the margin of vic- the average margin of victory for Team USA, the women, would still be greater than any women's World Cup team since 1998. Wow, that's how much they're winning by. Wow, that's fascinating. So it's 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 and, and the thing about it is, and what makes this really interesting, if we even add more to the story, is uh, this team is playing. Uh, they started playing um, right after the end of the WNBA finals. So for some of these players, the the players on the aces, uh, they left the championship, got on a plane, flew to Australia, and immediately started playing in the World Cup. 
So there's no, there was no like training camp. There's no practice. It's you show up and you're playing now. Um, and so, you know, so just, to, and, and then they, then, then they completely dominate. And what's interesting about that is, you know, the, the storyline at most Olympics I've covered has been that the world's getting better at basketball. The world is posing a greater threat to Team USA. There's greater depth, greater player development. More other countries are taking it seriously and trying to field the best possible teams. And the USA is still dominating like this. Yeah. So, I mean, you could understand this if this was 2002, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not 2002. This is 20 years later. This These are... The women around the world are playing basketball in very large numbers. Uh, there are there are a number of women in the WNBA from other countries that dominate. Um, and yet, despite that, they are not coming close to this Team USA team. Yeah, it is fascinating. All right, a lot of, a lot of things I want to talk about in terms of Cheryl, the national team, the links, the WNBA, etc. Uh, we do want to thank you for listening. Best way to listen to these shows Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy. You can always follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod to see the shows as they come out. And you can go to TalkNorth.com see all the shows. Uh, it's going to be a great Timberwolves season. I know Cheryl's really fired up about the way the Timberwolves have built their organization. The John Krasinski Show covers the Timberwolves in the NBA. And thanks, of course, to our producer, Brandon Morton, and our sponsors, Livia, Rudy Luther Toyota, Cara Quinn, SuccessfulMarketingGroup.com, All Energy Solar, TSR Injury Law. And thanks to Cheryl for sticking with us for 200 shows. This is our 201st show. Uh, you know, when I was in Tokyo, I just had this feeling, just talking to people on, around Team USA, I had this feeling that Cheryl was going to be the next coach. Of course, Cheryl never wanted to talk about it or hint at it or even think about it. Uh, and ended up, and I ended up talking to Don Staley after the championship game. She said, yep, I want Cheryl to be the next coach. Not that it was her call. Uh, did you ever, did you think Cheryl was going to be the next coach? Did you think Cheryl was going to be the right coach? Uh, what were your thoughts at that time? Oh, I, I yeah, I, well, Cheryl's the best coach in the WNBA. Um, she's won four WNBA titles. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't think Cheryl would have ever said, you know, I, I'm going to be the next coach. I deserve to be the next coach. I, I, I've often told Cheryl that, that um, uh, professors are not known for being modest. <laughs> um, that's not really our job. So I've often told Cheryl that as uh, that Professor Reeve needs a lot of work on terms of you know self promotion because that's a big part of being a professor. <laughs> so so if, if she could focus a little bit harder on that particular skill set because she often defers. I'm sure if she were here right now, we told we told the story of the fact that her team is dominating more than any Team USA, you know, probably team in history. She would probably credit everybody else besides herself. No uh, doubt. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and, I, and, I, and I've told her, you know, if you were a professor, you would never do that. It would be entirely. It, it's me. I'm the reason why I'm the reason why that happened. <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> I'm the thing that changed here. So let's just let's just. So, you know, so, you know, I, I think given her record, she is she's an obvious choice. Um, again, given the fact that she has the best, you know, record in, you know, among WNBA coaches. And these are WNBA players, right? Yep. So they do, they've done in the past where they've gone with college coaches. That seems like an odd choice for for an Olympic team or a team for Team USA because they're not college athletes. These are professional athletes. And coaching professional athletes is a different task than coaching a college athlete. 
Uh, you, you can say certain things to a college athlete that you probably cannot say to a professional athlete because they're adults. And, and so I, I, you see that often in, um, in football. And the most recent case was Urban Meyer going from a college team to a professional team and realizing that professionals are not going to take to constant berating or yelling at them because they're like, well, I'm an adult. So why don't you just calmly tell me what you want? And then we'll do that. I don't need you to yell at me. Uh, and I think college coaches have trouble understanding that because they deal with college kids. And they there's a lot more. I think there's more leeway in colleges with what we let college coaches get away with that, again, professionals don't put up with. Right. Um, you know, an 18 year old kid is not going to say, I don't think you should talk to me that way. Right. Yeah. They'll have their uh, parents call you and then they'll transfer without talking to you. Um, <laughs> they might do that. But, you know, uh, certainly it's it's difficult for them to stand up for themselves because you're 18 years old. So. It is. No, no doubt about it. You're absolutely right. It reminds me of a friend of mine who uh, uh, was around Carl Malone and he went up to Carl Malone and asked him about Mike Montgomery going from Stanford to the NBA. And Carl Malone said, you know, I, I can't repeat what Carl Malone told him, uh, <clears throat> but the cleaned up version was, uh, you know, if if Mike Montgomery yells at a player and the player tells him to bleep off, what do he do? You know, I mean, there's not much he can do. The player's on making guaranteed money. He's a star. You know, you, I mean, the coach is going to have to find a way around that. Uh, I will say yeah. that G, I will say that Gino Ariama probably uh, fit better than most college coaches because he coaches so many future pros. And I will say that Lindsey Whalen has told me many times she thought the two best women's basketball coaches in the world were Gino and Cheryl. Yeah, but it's 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 a different it's a different environment though. It's a different world. Yeah. Um, you know, and and it, it's hard for I think it, it, there there's a huge transition when you hire a college coach to coach professionals. Oh yeah. Uh, because it's it's a different it's a different environment and it's different managing adults is very different than managing children. I guess yes. is the way to put it. Um and so uh, and dealing with an 18 or 19 year old is not the same thing as dealing with a 29 year old. And I think, you know, and Cheryl knows how to do that. You have to when you're when you're coaching adults, you have to explain to them why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and when you're coaching college kids, you probably don't have to explain as much. They're not going to they're not going to challenge you as much because uh, they don't have any they don't have a lot of experience doing that. Right. And the other big difference is if you a dominant college coach, you're going to get good players because you have good players. Uh, and if you are a professional coach, winning means you're going to draft lower and it's going to be harder to maintain that level. Yeah. 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 So yeah. And that's another, yeah. So the, and also the, the gap in talent, isn't that big? I mean, we look at right. the WNBA, we look at the, the Indiana fever this last year and we say, okay, that was, that, that's a bad team. It's only a bad team by WNBA standards. Right. Um, the, the Indiana fever against any, you know, any college team would win very easily. Those are all, those are all college all-stars. Um, and so it's, it's actually a very good team um, by any other standards. Um, right. uh, but that's hard to recognize that, that, that the, the talent gap isn't as big and that it is the case. Any WNBA team can beat any other WNBA team on a given night. No doubt about it. And you do see that. Uh, in fact, yeah. a loss to Indiana really hurt the uh, links this last season. Yes. Um, so, so what do you think about this Cheryl's current squad? Uh, I mean, do you, do you see them having any weaknesses that could be exploited once they get to the Olympics or are there any, are there any areas of concern or that you just think they're going to be dominant? See, that's the thing. I don't, you know, it, you look at the roster and 
Um, you know, they are. It, it, there's there's some players on his team that are that are really really very good. Um, uh, and then there are other players that that are not nearly as productive. Uh, but I, I, I did a, I did a, I did a comparison for Cheryl. I went and looked at at this roster, um, what these players did in the WNBA the year before they, you know, the season they got there. And I did the same analysis for all the other WNBA teams that we've had. Um, and this team isn't. It's not. It's not worse than the other teams that we've that that Team USA has put together. It's also not really better. Uh, that's what makes this result somewhat perplexing because you look at it, and you're like, well, it's this isn't this isn't like this is not like the 1992 men's dream team. This isn't these are not 12 Hall of Famers. Right. Um, you know, there, there's there's a there's a few players who will be Hall of Famers, right? There's some very good players on this team, but it's it's like any other kind of World Cup team. There's some really good players, and then there's some really phenomenal players. And so you look at them going into the Olympics, you're like. Well, won't it kind of be like the other? I mean, you'd expect them to win, just not win by 40 points every time. Right. And so that's what makes this somewhat surprising. It's just it just seems odd that that they beat Canada by 40 points. It's like, you know, how did you do that? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I, you know, because you just you know, this is not these are not 12 Hall of Famers. Um, right. And so it's it's just it's just kind of odd that you kind of ended up with that outcome. Yeah. Uh, let's get to Cheryl and the links. Uh, first, we do want to thank all of our sponsors, starting with uh, the company Cheryl is working with uh, to to hone her diet, Livia. Well, Livia is present, ever present, every day. Uh, you know, here in, in in Sydney, and and you know, I I have to work really hard to be disciplined and, and packing my meals for the day, and and I'm also um, you know enjoying you know being in some of these experiences that we talked about, and and. I feel much better about my ability to to make good choices when I'm eating out. And, and so obviously Olivia's, uh, though I'm far away, is, is still with me every day. Ready for a women-forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. 10 cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. Sete Coley is a family-owned Twin Cities-based home remodeling real estate and property management company offering personalized service and outstanding client care. Sete Coley means seven hills and not in the seven hills of Rome, Italy. They provide home remodeling, realtor services, property management, and they also offer wraparound services. If you're a homeowner considering a home improvement project, Cara can help you evaluate the impact of a remodel on your home's market value. If you're a prospective home buyer, Cara can help you assess the cost and logistics of updating the home you buy. If you plan on selling your home, Cara can guide you in, a, in preparing your home for the market. can even send a crew to carry out the work, ensuring that your home stands out from the competition. If you're interested in purchasing an investment property, Cara can help you find a profitable deal. And if you wish, can manage the property for you from tenant placement and turnover to property management. Of course, I use Cara to sell my house, to prep my house, to stage my house. Uh, she's great at all this stuff. I highly recommend it. Check them out at settecolimn.com. That's S-E-T-T-E-C-O-L-L-I-M-N.com. Check them out at Facebook and on Instagram. 
Thank you to Delory and Successful Marketing Group. They created and manage all the social media for The Cheryl Reeve Show. If you're looking for a social media for your business, I would highly recommend you contact her at Glory at SuccessfulMarketingGroup.com. Uh, thanks, Glory has been a big asset to the network and this show all along. Highly re- recommend working with her. This is a, an interesting little window here. Now, I expect the links to re-up Cheryl and give her a good contract, and I expect her to... Uh, you know, get back to work winning games, but you know, there's nothing guaranteed. There's new new Timberwolves ownership coming in. Uh, they didn't really show much interest in the links last year. They didn't show up for Sylvia Fowles' uh, retirement or any of the big games down the stretch. So there's there's t- at least a tiny smidge of mystery surrounding this. And also, uh, Cheryl, you know, first time in since 2010 or whatever, or 2011, just you know, did not have a, a very good team last year. Uh, what do you see? For the future here, uh, it, it is. It's not a good sign. The owners are not showing up for major events. I mean, one of the things that was that was very important, I think, about the Aces run, is that uh, Mark Davis, owner of the Aces, was in Connecticut when they won the championship on the same day that, and at the same time that his Las Vegas Raiders, his NFL team, were having a game at home. He chose the Aces over his Raiders, which I don't. I cannot imagine any owner in WNBA history who owns a men's major team and a women's major team ever made that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was he was at the arena when they won. He celebrated with them on the floor. Clearly, the aces are important to him. He paid Becky Hammond a million dollars. Um, so I expect the market for Cheryl Reeve is a million dollars. You know, so that's that's the market. That's what Becky Hammond got. And and yes, Becky Hammond won a title, but Cheryl Reeve has done it for a much longer period of time. So therefore you'd expect there to be that's that's where the market is at and i expect that after cheryl gets her million dollars she won't talk to us anymore um, so, <laughs> well she's already sick of me so so she's like okay i got a million dollars why do i yeah. talk to you people um, exactly. <laughs> so, so so we expect that to happen uh, so that's that's you know that's that's not a good sign that they're not showing up for me because you know it's your team and you're supposed to be you're supposed to be emotionally involved in this um, and that's important that you try and do that. Um, and so that's, that's a little bit troubling. I, I, my, my theory on, on the, the problem with the links, I'm going to, this is my analytical hat going on. I'm going to take the George Costanza theory. Okay. Um, and the George Costanza theory, if you watch Seinfeld is if anything, um, good happens to you in life, then God will make something really bad happen to you in life. And that's the balance of scale. <laughs> and so the Wink's explanation is that God knew that they were going to dominate the World Cup and therefore Cheryl could not go to the WNBA playoffs. <laughs> well, that, that's fair. Also, she won four WNBA titles and yeah. eventually so it, it's like, something's you know, going to happen. You can only have so much happiness in one year. And since yes. the World Cup has gone so amazingly well, well the Lakes are just not going to be in playoffs. <laughs> Because if you look at the Lynx roster, that was a playoff team. That that should have been a playoff team. Um, they had they had a few players perform well below their career averages um, in inexplicable ways. They they missed a lot more shots than they should have been missing. Yep. Um, and so it just seemed an odd season. They didn't. They were not. They were not as. I mean, there were there were. Points in the season where they really – I mean, they beat the Aces this year, by the way. I mean, they, they, they played play really Aces. well at times. Yes. At times, that this team played exactly like you would think they would play. And then at other times, they didn't. And it just never quite made a whole lot of sense what was going on. I have, I, 
I my personal feeling is, you know, if it was not a 36 game season and it was an 82 game season, mm-hmm. that eventually the links would have looked like the links. That yeah. as the season went along, I mean, think about how many times that happens in the NBA where a team starts off and they underperform for the first two months and then they suddenly become what they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, th- there's a there's a thing in sports, a regression to the mean. Right. You come back to what you actually are, but you have to have enough time for that to happen. And I think with the links, they just ran out of time. Uh, and so that's that to me is what was missing here. So so my feeling is. Uh, despite the loss of Sylvia Fowles, um, you know, uh, Nafisa comes back healthy. That's that's a big addition. Uh, they do get another draft pick. Um, so that helps. Um, although, you know, Cheryl's done really well finding players throughout the draft. So I don't know that where they pick is as important as as the fact that there are just choices to be had. Um, so I, I, I'm optimistic that they're going to be they're going to be quite good. Uh Assuming Cheryl's the one, you know, obviously making the choices and, and doing that. So Right. Well, we've seen Becky Hammond go get a million dollars and win a title. We've seen Cheryl Reeve, uh, you know, dominate the WNBA. We've seen other women's coaches move into onto staffs of men's professional leagues. At this point, do you think it's better for women's sports if a woman like Cheryl or Becky gets an NBA head coaching job? Or do you think it's better for women's sports if they stay where they are and just make their league better? Uh, it would be better. Uh, it would be better if, if the NBA started hiring women as coaches. Um, so I, I understand. I'll, I'll say it this way: the 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 population of talent available to coach is not is not that finite. There is enough women coaches for both, mm-hmm. uh, and so it is not the case that that we should be having to make a choice here. Uh, but it it would be important uh, for men's sports to do what every other organization does, uh, including the U.S. military, uh, nation states, everyone else, they hire women as leaders. The fact that men's sports has this idea that you have to be a man to coach men to play sports is ridiculous. If a woman can be a general, then a woman could lead a bunch of people bouncing a ball. I don't, I don't understand what the issue is. Uh, you know, and, and you, you'll hear men say, you know, men need men. To, that's ridiculous. Uh, that's, that just doesn't make any sense to me. That's not true in the slightest. Uh, you know, at, at my, so at Southern Utah university, uh, if I may mention where I work, uh, yes. our president is a woman, uh, our, the faculty Senate is led by, uh, the current president of the faculty Senate is a woman. The, um, the past president was a woman. The future president will be a woman. So they're, they're the three women are, are the three leaders are all women. The, our athletic director who just left us was a woman. Uh, so we have women in in leader, uh, the head of our board of directors is also a woman. Um, and so, uh, we are entirely led by women. Um, and, and so there's no reason why women cannot lead, uh, the Boston Celtics. I, I wrote an article about this once that, uh, if you go back in history, uh, the, the actual Celtics, the, the, the tribe that lived on Britain before the Romans showed up were led by Queen Bodica, an actual woman who actually, who defeated the Romans in several battles, uh, and destroyed London and killed 80,000 people. Uh, and Queen Bodica, so we actually had a woman lead actual Celtics. It seems odds that a woman cannot lead Celtics bouncing basketballs. Yeah. 
Uh, that's a very good way to put it. Also, without uh, Russian interference, we probably would have had a woman president. We would have saved ourselves a lot of headaches. Um, but that's a different subject. Um, what? Uh, let's go really broad here, and we'll have you on again, David. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, really broad, are you seeing women's sports moving in the right direction, however, glacially? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a gradual, it's very gradual. I think it's, it's hard to educate people on these things. Um, and so that, that's an issue. Uh, the sports media is still dominated mostly by men, mostly white men. Um, and so that's a problem. Uh, men tend to want to show men. Uh, if you watch, if you watch television coverage at night, uh, most of it is men talking about sports. There's not a lot of women talking about sports. Uh, so, so, uh, if women are invited on talk shows, usually they serve as the moderator for the men. They're not the ones, uh, participating in the actual debates. Uh, and so you see that, uh, uh, so, so the media is still biased towards men. The coverage is still biased towards men, but you know, there's, there's some progress. I think it's better than it was, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, and it, it does take time for these things to change. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a process for many men. It is still the case that they regard sports as their domain, uh, and they, and, and that they don't want women participating in this. And, and the story is women do participate in sports. Women, women are 45% of sports fans. Uh, girls are 45% of athletes in high school. Women are 45% of athletes in college. Uh, so women are playing sports. They are part of sports. Uh, it would be nice if we could get the representation to be, uh, reflect uh, the interest. We had a cool story here in town. Uh, an old friend of mine, Andre Yak, basically with a bunch of friends, they met at a beer hall. They decided to start a women's soccer team. And it was a greater success than I think even they could have hoped for in their first year. Sold out the 5,000-seat uh, TCO Performance Stadium, out, which is basically the Vikings practice field, sold it out, sold it out easily, sold it out quickly. Uh, tons of enthusiasm around the team. They're already kind of have, making growth plans uh, just going into their first full offseason. So, you know, it's I, I do see signs that things are getting better. It's just it's just not where it should be. I, I think one of the issues that we have to understand is. It would be easier to understand women's sports where it's at if we had a better understanding if people truly understood men's sports history. Uh, and I, I, I tell this story all the time. Uh, of the first 18 teams in the National League in baseball in the 1870s, uh, 16 of them went completely out of business. Mm -hmm. Of the first 40 or so NFL teams in NFL history, 90% uh, of them went out of business. Uh, the first 23 NBA teams, uh, 15 went completely out of business. Uh, the failure rate in men's sports initially is 60, 70, 80, 90%. And then women's sports comes along and there's this expectation that every single team should be successful and every team should find a fan base within one year. And there's just no history of that ever happening in men's sports. Asking people to make an emotional attachment to something that doesn't actually exist. A sports team is entirely fictitious. There's, there is no such thing as Minnesota Vikings. That's something that's in our head, right? We made that up. Um, and so you're, you're, this thing doesn't exist. You create it. And then you're saying, I want you to be emotionally attached to my football team that I just made up. And that takes time. That takes a long time to establish that. It's usually a generational effect. 
Uh, and women's sports, we have to look at that and say there are going to be some huge successes, yes, but we should also allow there to be failures and understand that that's going to happen as well because it just takes time. It takes time to find the audience, and typically it takes decades to find the audience. And that's a really, really hard thing for people to accept. Uh, it is not realistic to expect any w, uh, any women's professional sports league to have instantaneously the same audience you see for the National Football League. It took the National Football League decades to find that audience, and it will take decades for the women as well. And to remind us of a, another Seinfeld line, uh, we cheer for laundry. We are cheering for laundry. You are it, you are emotionally attached to the laundry, not the players. Um, and you can test that hypothesis by just taking players from another team, sticking it in your team's laundry, and suddenly find out how excited you are about them. So suddenly yes. Minnesota Timberwolves are huge fans of Rudy Gobert, um, and they were not two months ago. <laughs> so. and, the Minnesota, and the Minnesota Twins uh, were – fan base was very unhappy to lose to the cheater Alex Carlos Correa in the 2020 playoffs. And now he might be their favorite player now that he's playing for them. Exactly. That is exactly how fandom works. Uh, and, and, and it is, but, it, but it takes, you have to have that. So in order for you to get to that point, you got to develop that emotional commitment to that team. And unlike college sports teams or national teams, those teams are just made up, right? I mean, there is when, – when the Minnesota Golden Gophers play football, everyone knows that's associated with the university. So there's a connection to the university that transfers to the team. But when you create a sports team out of just – out of thin air, it, it doesn't exi- – it's not connected to anything. So it's like, okay, root for this. Root for what? What is that? I don't know what that is. What am I – you know – uh, I'm sure when the Minneapolis Lakers started playing in the 1950s, people around the country spent most of their time wondering what a Laker was. Yeah. What is that? Did you just make up that word? <laughs> what exactly is that? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, that's what you're asking people to do. And now it's the case that when the Los Angeles Lakers play, they have fans all over the world who identify themselves as Laker fans. And you're you're like, you know, that didn't exist a few decades ago. And now people around the world are immensely emotionally attached to this. Yeah. One, one of the fascinating developments of my career has been that, you know, in the old days, uh, really pre-internet, pre-email, you know, we all got hate mail. But it was usually it was obviously you only got hate mail from people who were willing to sit down and actually write a letter or type a letter and postmark it and buy a stamp and send it. So. You know, we've got some crazy stuff, but it was usually stuff that at least somebody put some effort into. You know, you get to a point in modern with social media and email, anybody has a rant, they can just immediately fire at you anything they want. And it caused me to start looking up the psychology of sports fans. And some people did some pretty good work on this. I don't have anything in front of me right now, but I did read read a lot about it. And basically, you know, what they said was people consider the sports team they cover to be a part of an extension of themselves. You criticize the team they have committed themselves to. You're criticizing them. You're criticizing their family. You're criticizing the way their brain works. Exactly. Exactly. That is exactly how it works. That That is how sports fandom works. Uh, people, and you can see that when you watch the games, because it's, it's I, I tell my students to think about that. When you're watching a college football game, and a team makes a mistake and they flash to the crowd and you see how sad the people in the audience are. 
And you have to ask yourself the question, why are you sad? This has nothing to do with you. I, and I told my students the other day, I, I, I saw the latest uh, Thor movie. And when I'm watching Thor fight and he loses a battle in the middle of the movie, I don't get sad about it. I don't start screaming <laughs> at the screen. You know, how can Thor lose? What's going on here? This is ridiculous. How can you criticize Thor? It's a movie. I'm not emotionally attached to this. It's just entertainment, right? But sports, that's not what sports are. They're not entertainment. These are, this is the person's life. They spend their lives thinking about this. And when the team wins, they are ecstatic. And they, and they remember it forever, right? You have people who, oh, yeah. you know, my team won. I remember where I was when they won. I remember what I was doing. I remember what was going on in my life. They define their lives by these things. And you're like, but the thing about it is the athletes that you're so excited about, they don't know you. They don't care about you. That's not relevant to them. You know, it's just a job. Rudy Gobert leaves the Jazz and he says, I'm, I'm a Jazz. I'm, 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 this is my team. And then he goes to the Timberwolves. He goes, this is my team. Mm-hmm. But I thought you were on the other team. I love this team now. But you were on the other team. Yeah, I'm on this team now. Does it make any difference what team you're on? Not a, no, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. It's whatever team it is. Whatever, who's ever paying me, then I'm with them. I'm with you. You're my fans, I guess. But at the end of the day, I'm Rudy Gobert. I'm from France. I don't care what you people do. <laughs> Exactly. Pay me and get out of my way. I get paid. I get, you know, they pay me money to do this and I do it. And if you like me, that's great. But if you don't, I don't care. You're, you know, and, and, and the other thing about it is the fans are, are literally angry at the fans on the other team. Oh yeah. And the players don't care. The players don't care. At the end of every game, what do you what do you see at the end of every football game? Hugs. Every NFL game, they're all hugging each other. They all went yep. to school together. They all know each other. These are their friends, um, and they're hanging out with each other. And they go to dinner with each other. And the fans are like, "Oh, I hate that team." Well, they don't hate each other. They don't. They don't care. Doesn't it make reminds any me. I was covering the Twins and the Angels in the ALCS in 2002, and a very famous uh, Los Angeles sports columnist came up to me and said you know, you're old school, aren't you? How can these guys be out there hugging and shaking hands in the outfield before the game for a big game this big? And I said, well, they all work out together in the offseason. Those guys, the guys you're talking about, they live next to each other and they work out together all winter. Yes. These are their friends. These are all their friends. And and the game is And if they ever get a chance, they'll they'll both leave the current teams to play together on another team if they get the chance. Of course. Yeah. That was the case. Who was the Red Sox who went to the Yankees? The Red Sox, the famous Red Sox player and. Well, with 15 oh, years uh, Ellsbury? Old. Yeah, let, leaves the Red Sox, yeah. goes to the Yankees. Well, well, yeah. well, how can you go to the Yankees? I don't care. What do I care? It doesn't make any difference to me. They're paying me. Exactly. This is my job. I go wherever the job goes. I, I, I'm not that emotionally invested in this because it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference to me. This is just my job. Uh, th- th- this, is, this is not at all dissimilar from politics. Politics are the same way. People are emotionally attached to their political beliefs and they can't hear any arguments or reason. Um, And the politicians are not. They're not as emotionally attached. Um, You know, that's something that that historically people never. uh, Al Franken wrote a book when he was in the Senate about the fact that that he was friends with Lindsey Graham. 
Yep. And Lindsey Graham's wife made him made his daughter's clothes or something or granddaughter clothes or whatever. They're friends with each other. They hang out with it. And, and this is this was true. Uh, Gerald Ford was was friends with Jimmy Carter. Bill Clinton yep. is best friends with George W. Bush. Um, and that's 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 why are they because who else are you going to talk to? You know, these are people who have the same experience. If you were president of the United States, who could you talk to about being president of the United States other than another president of the United States? So you're going to have the same experiences and the same, you know, and, and what this is something people pointed out when George W. Bush was president. He was killing calling Bill Clinton for advice because who else was he going to get advice from? Yep. If, if he sits there and says there's this leader of this other country calling me and saying this. What, what do you think of that person? And then Bill Clinton go, yeah, I remember that. Don't talk. You you don't want to talk to that one. You want to talk to this one over here. That, that's the one who makes all the decisions in that country. Oh, okay. Now, who did he get that advice from? There's nobody else who would know because nobody else has been president. So you have no one else to know when I'm doing, when I'm talking to these people, I talk to that person, not this person over here, because that's that you need. Then they do all that. Um, Harry Truman was was talking to, to, to Hoover because Roosevelt was dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Truman went back and called Hoover and left president presidency in 32. Hoover became president in 48. And he was calling up. He was calling up Hoover. Tell me what's going on here. <laughs> what's going on with this whole thing? Because <laughs> the guy I was going to talk to is dead now. Um, and so I got and that's and that's and, and people in politics can't figure that out. How can you hang out with that person? That person's horrible. Yeah. You know, when I tell you they're horrible, that's professional wrestling. <laughs> I just tell you that so you'll vote for me. But they're not really horrible. They just they're doing a job, and they and they and they say the things that their people want them to hear. You know? No do you actually believe all? No, of course I don't believe that. That's ridiculous. But the people who vote for me believe that, so I tell them that. Yep. And it's all, all a right. scam. And and I think I don't. It's the same thing. It's, it's same thing in sports. Same thing. Yeah. It's not. It, they, they don't take it personally. It's not personal. It's just my job. It's what I do for a living. You know, and that's how they do it. It's it's and, and, you know, it's the same. And it's it's interesting how often politicians are um, uh, often are. It's a family. It's a family business. Right. You see the same Mm -hmm. people in the same family keep showing up. Well, it's a family business. What we do. Some some families are plumbers and we're politicians. (laughs) (laughs) That's the family trade. That's what we do. (laughs) You know, and they learn how to do that. They get training on, on when you're standing in front of the audience and they're cheering. These are the things they want to hear. They, you say those things and they'll make them very happy. Um, and that's what they do. And you're like, well, what do you actually believe in? I don't believe in anything. I believe I should have a job. That's what I believe. (laughs) That's my belief. (laughs) You know, it's, and, and, and I think that's very disappointing for for people who are excited about politics to hear that. But for the most part, and there's a few there's a few weird people in politics who who buy into this. Who are you know? And I I get the sense those people don't have very many friends. It's like, <laughs> you know, the is so, so there's like these the, every once in a while, like a true believer shows up in Congress, and then the other ones are like, "What are you doing? Well, I believe you. <laughs> You're not supposed to believe in anything. We're just hanging out here." You know, you're making us all uncomfortable. Quit doing that. <laughs> you know, I think that's why Trump, you know, that was, you know, why, why Trump was disliked by so many. None of the former presidents voted for Trump because they're like, right. well, who's he? He's not, he's not, he's not one of us at all. Um, and, and he's not, he's, he, he doesn't, he's not interested in politics. He doesn't, he doesn't 
he doesn't participate, doesn't seem to understand any of the issues that they understand, doesn't know why we're doing. He's asked questions. They're like, OK, that's not a question an adult should be asking. You should know the answer to that. Um, and they're like, that, that's not you're not qualified to do this. Um, you know, but I, I you do the other ones. Uh, they all get along with each other. They all know oh, yeah, each other. hang out. And they all hang out together because they're all having the same common experience. That's why you'll see, you know, George W. Bush and Michelle Obama sitting next to other each other events and laughing about things because they're friends. Mm -hmm. They're all friends with each other. And they're not sitting there talking about, you know, why would you vote for this legislation or why? Who cares? It's just stuff we do. They're talking about vacation homes. They're talking about vacation homes because they're they're from the same social class and they have the same experience. And they're talking about people they know. Um, And that's what they're doing. And so and that's the stuff they do. And 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 they and they they probably all know, you know, these other politicians that are, you know, like that. They're probably making fun of them, of, of both parties that, you know, I'm sure they're all making fun of Ted Cruz. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, I, hey, great stuff. I enjoy it. But let's wrap up on a women's sports or Cheryl Reeve or basketball note. Uh, once again, thanks to Brandon Morton, our producer. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Check out all these show, other shows. we got a bunch of them. And thanks to all of our sponsors, as always, including Cheryl's uh, special brand, Livia. All right. Uh, wrap it up, David, with anything you like. Uh, well, I, I think um, the, the big thing, I, I would like somehow there to be a lot more coverage of what Team USA is doing. I think I wouldn't go back to what we said at the beginning. I, I, I just find it odd that, that we're seeing this level of dominance in the World Cup, and I'm not seeing very many stories about this. Um, and it just seems like this is just flying over the head of people. Um, so I don't know. I, I wish I wish there was more conversation about that. I, I am optimistic about the future of women's sports, uh, but it is there is you know there seems to be. I, I think if this were a men's World Cup team doing this, I think there'd be a lot of stories about this. I agree. I'm, I'm my my Tuesday column. I'm pegging off the uh, results of this tournament and how it all went, and uh, I'll be I'll be stealing or crediting some of your observations as well. Uh, but yeah, you're right. We, we just should have more on this. I absolutely agree. The, you know, I'm sure the excuse would be it's a weird schedule and, and, you know, it's, it's hard for people to watch on TV and all that, but we need to get past all that stuff. Yeah. We, cause if it was a men's, if it was a men's team in Australia, it'd be the same issue with the schedule. Right. Right. Um, and they would still and people be talking scheduled. about it. Yeah, and people would, they would still no talk about it. They would still, if they were, if there were a men's World Cup team right now that was beating its opponents by forty-three points a game, and they were matching the dream team of ninety-two, that would be the story right now in men's sports. Yep. Yep. And no and, 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 then, and this is barely being talked about. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Hey, thank you, David. Thanks for everything. I appreciate it. Uh, hope to have you on again soon. We'll be talking about some uh, Wolves issues here soon for one of my columns. Uh, and hey, be well, and we'll talk soon. All right. You too. All right.